0: All right, morning, everyone. Um, my name's Heath. Uh, I'm part of the Young Adult Ministry here, and uh, yeah, one of the prospective elders, and I'm stepping in for John this morning. He's in California. He's got in-person classes for uh, getting his doctorate in seminary. So uh, yeah, be praying for John and his family. Um, just want to tell you how much of an honor it is to be here this morning, um, you yeah, know, that God has given me so much throughout the years, and it is an honor and humbling to be able to be here this morning to give some of what I've received. Um, The past few weeks, John has been preaching on Paul's farewell address to the Ephesian elders uh, and Paul's leadership qualities. Today we continue in Acts 21 with Paul's journey from Ephesus to Jerusalem, looking at God's providence, God's sovereignty, and the importance of a clear gospel message. We'll read the entire passage and then go back and explore these three points as they weave throughout the passage. So let's dive in. Acts 21. When we had parted from them and had set sail, we ran a straight course from Kos, and then the next day to Rhodes and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we came in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we kept sailing to Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. After looking up the disciples, we stayed there seven days, and they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set food in Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we left and we started our journey, while they all, with wives and children, escorted us until we were out of the city. After kneeling down on the beach and praying, we said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home again. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemais. After greeting the brethren, we stayed with them for a day. On the next day, we left and came to Caesarea. And entering the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, we stayed with him. Now this man had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. As we were staying there for some, day, a prophet, some days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own hands and feet and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we had heard this, as, well as the local re- we as well as the local residents began begging him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I, am not ready, for, for I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we fell silent, remarking, The will of the Lord be done. After these days, we got ready and started on our way to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also came with us, taking us to Manassan of Cyprus, a disciple of long standing with whom we were to lodge. After we arrived at Jerusalem, the brethren received us gladly. And the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and the elders were present. After he had greeted them and began to relate one by one the things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry, And when they heard it, they began began glorifying God, and they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed, and they are also zealous for the law. And they have been told about you, that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling telling them not to circumcise their children, nor walk according to the customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Therefore do this do this that we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. Take them and purify yourself along with them, and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads, and all will know that there is nothing to the things which they have been told about you, but that you yourself also walk orderly, keeping the law. But concerning the Gentiles who have believed, we wrote, having decided that they should abstain from meat sacrificed to idols, and from blood, and from what is strangled, and from fornication. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, purifying himself along with them, went into the temple, giving notice of the completion of the days of purification, until the sacrifice was offered for each one of them. When the seven days were almost over, the Jews from Asia, upon seeing him in the temple, Began to stir up all the crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, come to our aid. This is the man who preaches to all men everywhere against our people and, and the law and this place. And besides, he has even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Tropimus the Ephesian in the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was provoked and the people rushed together and taking hold of Paul, they dragged him out of the temple and immediately the doors were shut. While they were seeking to kill him, a report came to the commander of the Roman cohort that all Jerusalem was in confusion. At once he took along some of the soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander came up and took hold of him and ordered him to be bound with two chains, and he began asking who he was and what he had done. But among the crowd, some were shouting one thing and some another, and when they could not find out the facts because of the uproar, he ordered him to be brought into the barracks. When he got to the stairs, he was carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob, for the multitude of the people kept following them, shouting, Away with him! All right, our first point is God's providence in the life of Paul. His first scene in his safe and unusually fast travel that Paul and his companions had from Ephesus to Jerusalem. Uh, verses one through three talks about Paul's journey uh, through the ships, and it was very, very fast. Uh, most of the time, this journey would have uh, got Paul to Jerusalem by the time he wanted to but this time it was really, really fast. Um, From Acts 20.16 we understand that Paul was trying to get back to Jerusalem by Pentecost. Uh, So he was on a tight timeline. And while the route they took should have allowed him to be there, uh, this extra time allowed Paul to spend time with other Christians and to enjoy their fellowship and also allow them to confirm what God had already spoken to Paul. Uh, It's kind of like icing on the cake for his journey. Um, But in every port along the way, Paul and his companions were able to look up and stay with other disciples, something that would not have been possible if he had been on a very tight schedule. While he was staying with those disciples, they continually warned him of what was to come. Uh, this is another way God's providence is revealed. Uh, Paul knew what was to come because the Holy Spirit continually warned him of what was to come. In Acts twenty twenty three, uh, Paul says that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying, bonds and afflictions await me. Uh, and then... We also see in verse four and eleven in chapter twenty-one that others confirm this to Paul, that it wasn't just Paul's inner promptings, but that like God was telling him that through other people. Uh, this is God's providence, and because it served to uh, to encourage Paul with what he knew was was going to happen, so that he could prepare his heart for the day that it did come. Um, yeah, and one way that God provides his confirmation is through Agabus, one of the New Testament prophets who are named. Uh, he is first mentioned in Acts eleven twenty-seven through 28, where he talks about a famine that's to come and that prophecy is fulfilled. And then he shows up here again in 21.10. I want to take a short detour and talk about prof- prophecy, since it's mentioned both that Philip had four daughters who were prophetesses and that Agabus the prophet came to share a disturbing prophecy concerning Paul. Scripturally speaking, prophecy can be a foretelling, that is, a prediction of the future, uh, but it can also be a truth-telling or a proclamation about what has already been revealed as it pertains to a certain situation. We don't know any of the specific prophecies that Philip's daughters gave, so they could have been in either group of prophecies. Uh, Although the early church fathers did believe that there were very key informants to Luke as he was writing his gospel in the first part of Acts. And as we'll see later, uh, during Paul's imprisonment of two years in Caesarea, Luke would have been around Philip and his daughters quite a bit. Uh, this could have been why he included uh, Philip's four daughters here. Now Agabus is clearly giving a foretelling prophecy regarding Paul. Uh, one that Paul has already received from God, but God continues to confirm it to him. And some say this prophecy is inaccurate and use it as a proof text to say that prophecy today can have errors in it. Um, their, their argument is very convincing, um, and I have to admit that at some point in my past, I, I too believed it. Um. This is very important. Every prophecy that a prophet predicts must come true, or he's considered a false prophet, and not from God. In fact, in Deuteronomy 18:20 20-22, it says that a prophet who utters something that does not come true should be killed, and nowhere in the New Testament is this ever taken away. Those that claim Agabus was not 100% accurate say that it was the Romans, not the Jews, who arrested Paul. And the Romans rescued Paul instead of Paul being handed over them to, by the Jews. Yet in Acts 23 27, which we'll read uh, in two weeks, uh, it clearly states that Paul was arrested by the Jews. And it is alluded to in Acts 24-7 and again in 25-10-11 that Paul was kept in prison uh, partly because of charges the Jews had brought against him And it is because of the Jews that he appeals to Caesar and is taken to Caesar uh, or taken to Rome as a prisoner. In addition to all this, some say that the Jews had no authority to arrest, which for the most circumstances was true. Uh, They did not have the authority to arrest, they did not have the authority to execute, except Rome gave the Jews one exception. If there was a Gentile, that transgressed the temple grounds and went past the court of the Gentiles, uh, they could be executed on spot uh, by the Jews. That's one, one very specific and unusual exception that the Jews had, and this is a very charge that was brought against Paul. Um, this is all to say that Agabus was one hundred percent accurate in saying Paul would be arrested by the Jews and then hand it over to the Gentiles. Um, so now that we have cleared that up, we can move on to other ways God's providence is shown through the chapter. In verse 16, Paul and his companions found lodging with Manassan, uh, which is providence because Paul had Gentiles with him. Uh, Jerusalem in that day was very, um, very polarized. The Jews and the Gentiles did not get along, and most Jews would not host any Gentiles because they would consider them unclean and were worried about keeping uh, ceremonial purity laws. Uh, so fa- because Paul had Gentiles with him, he needed to find someone that was a Christian that he could stay with. Uh, and God provided Manassan. Uh, God's providence is also seen how close the Roman guards were to the temple. Uh, all that they had to do to stop, to go down, stop the mob, and bring Paul in for questioning was go down a few flights of stairs. Uh, the temple, the temple was right next to the Roman barracks, and so in, uh, like if if they were farther away, there was a very good chance that Paul would have been, to, been beaten to death before the Romans could have intervened which is what happened several years earlier with some other instances. So the take-home message from all these examples of God's providence is that we can trust him with every detail of our life. He cares for us in his work and provides the means and ways for us to accomplish what he has called us to do, even in the midst of opposition, which leads us to the next point, his sovereignty in the life of Paul. God chose Paul for a very specific mission. In Acts 9, 15-16, God says of Paul that he is a chosen instrument uh, to take the gospel to the the Gentiles, to kings, and to the sons of Israel. And that God will show him how much he must suffer for the name of Jesus. Now, Now that Paul is approaching Jerusalem, And the Holy Spirit is continually testifying to Paul that he is about to suffer even more. Uh, God started a work in Paul, and Paul responds by being obedient to his calling and walking in confidence that God has a plan and is working out the present sufferings out for the good of the gospel. We know this because he also wrote Romans as he was heading for Jerusalem. I believe it's Romans chapter 14 or 15, Paul talks about how he desires to go to Rome once he's finished with going to Jerusalem, um, and that he's going there because of uh, taking the offering collected by the Gentiles for the Jews in Jerusalem. But in Romans 8, 28 through, 20, 28 through 39, Paul says this, If God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather he who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, For your sake we are being put to death all the day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This passage has extra extra significance, knowing that Paul wrote it as he was heading for Jerusalem. Because Paul was convinced that God had chosen him, he could do anything in obedience, knowing that God was going to work it out for good. This was the confidence Paul gives to the brothers who were trying to persuade him not to go to Jerusalem. He was not disobedient to the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit never said to not go. He only warned of what was to come, and this prepared Paul's heart to do what he he knew that he had to. Here is a warning for us. We must not hinder anyone from God's calling on their life because of danger or hardship. Um, There is wisdom in counting the cost beforehand and making sure we know what lays ahead. But rather, we should trust in a God who is larger than anything on this earth and in his sovereignty can turn something meant for evil into something good. Our next and final point is the importance of having a clear gospel message and not becoming entangled with political affairs. When Paul arrived in Jerusalem, he had a bad name. James and the Jerusalem elders had an idea that would help clear up Paul's name. Uh, And it would also hopefully lessen the offense of uh, the gospel that it was to the cultural Jews. Their intentions were very good. It was reported that Paul was telling the Jews to forsake their culture and to embrace the Gentile culture and follow Jesus in that way. In reality, Paul was preaching clarity of the gospel, which is the same message that Martin Luther resurrected, that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone. What this means is that while Paul did not prohibit anyone from keeping ceremonial laws he wanted to ensure that no faith was being placed in keeping the law, but in the finished work of the cross, and that the law was no longer important to salvation. This was very offensive to the Jews, especially in Jerusalem. In that time, there was rising conflict between the Jews and the Gentiles, and this conflict would erupt a few years later into violence. That would cause Rome to destroy Jerusalem and, in the process, destroy most of the Jewish people. What was proposed to clear Paul's name was that he was, partici- was to participate in a ritual cleansing and purification for some brothers who had taken a vow. Um, what this entailed was going to the temple for a, a, a cleansing process, um, and then, then Paul would pay their fees. Uh, at least one commentator believes Paul was in error in participating in, the, in this and that his zeal for seeing his countrymen come to Jesus actually clouded his uh, his mind um, to agree to do something that could have compromised his message that he'd been preaching among the Gentiles. Even though in actuality it was not contrary to the gospel. Um, yeah, Paul very well may have been influenced to participate in a fight that was not his fight to be in, and God graciously rescued him at the last minute. Uh, This is very important for us to remember as we seek to bring the gospel into our own cultures. We can try to remove some of the cultural baggage on how the gospel is presented. However, we must never remove the offense of the gospel itself or force our leaders into political situations where they are not called to fight, and always strive to present the gospel in a clear manner. Um, so the band can come up, um, nice, short, and sweet this morning. Uh, but uh, to review this morning, we should maintain a clear gospel message. We should trust God's sovereignty in our lives and trust His providence to carry us through every circumstance that we encounter. Knowing that He will provide for everything that He's called us to do. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Yeah. Thank you for the ways that you've provided for Paul. I ask that you would open our hearts. Yeah, that we would believe that the same is true for us today. That you provide for us that you're sovereign in our lives and that you have given us a clear gospel message both to receive for our own hearts and to give to others. Yeah, may we walk in truth this week. In Jesus' name, amen.